Haunted Night, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. First things first, I would like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Uh, I'm your host, Alistair Cross, and I am here with Tamara Thorne, uh, my co-host and collaborator. Tamara, aside from being stalked on text, how are you today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. I'm, I'm stoked about our book being almost done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, the stalker on text. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, he's unblocked. Sorry, I just had to ask. Yeah, right, somebody's texting, funny. keeps asking who I am, and I'm not going to tell who, them. I know. Who texts? I have a question. So, who texts somebody and says, you know, oh, hey, you know, Martha, whatever. Sorry, this isn't Martha. Mm-hmm. Well, who are you? <laughs> who is this? Over and over and you over. Know what? You have the wrong number. Let it go. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, uh, tonight, tonight, I'm really, really excited because we have um, one of our favorite guests. He's, uh, as we were discussing before the show, he's a little bit like our Tom Hanks of Thorning Cross on a Night's Live <laughs> because he's been on so much and we love him. A dear friend. He's a great Aww. talent. He's fantastic. And he's back <laughs> again. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. Jay Bonansinga's work has been translated into 11 different languages, and his 2004 nonfiction debut, The Sinking of the Eastland, was a Chicago Reader Critics' Choice book, as well as the recipient of a Superior Achievement Award from Illinois State Historical Society. His debut novel, The Black Mariah, was a finalist for, the, for a Bram Stoker Award, and his numerous short tales and articles have been published in such magazines as The Writer, Amazing Stories, Grew, Flesh and Blood, Outre, and Cemetery Dance, as well as a number of anthologies. Jay also proudly wears the hat of indie filmmaker. His music videos have been on the Nashville Network and public television, and his short film, City of Men, was awarded the prestigious silver plaque at the Chicago International Film Festival. In 2008, his feature film debut, Stash, based on his short story of the same title collected in Candy in the Dumpster, won the Gold Remy at the Houston International Film Festival and Best Comedy at the Iowa City and Queens International Film Festivals. Uh, The Chicago Tribune says, Jay Bonansinga has quickly and firmly established himself as one of the most imaginative writers of thrillers. His twisting narratives, with their in-your-face glimpses of violence, are set in an unstable, almost psychotic universe that makes the work of many of his contemporaries look rather tame. And uh, finally... Jay has uh, a new book coming out, and it is the uh, series finale of The Walking Dead called Return to Woodbury, um, which we're going to talk about. But before we do that, I think I've talked enough. Welcome to the show, Jay. That's all the time we have tonight. Thank you for your time. We can't help it if you're so accomplished. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know what? I never get tired of listening to that. I never get tired of it. We don't blame you. <laughs> I know, I, and, I, and I know that. That's why that's, that's why we read it every time you're on because it it really yeah. is. But, but seriously, in, in all seriousness, that is actually really, really impressive. Um, it must. Aww. I mean, yeah, it really is. It really is. And congratulations you. on that. Thank you, you must. You must really be proud of of because that's a lot. That's cool. Well, I yeah. You know, I I mean, I I'm so lucky. Uh, you know, I sound. I it almost sounds disingenuous when it you know a person says this, but it's. I really mean it. I I'm really lucky, to uh, have this be my job. I mean, you know, uh, I know a lot of writers far better than I. You know, who who uh, have not one reason or another is just they haven't been able to support themselves and they have to have a day job, and I just got lucky. I. I I, you know, I mean, it's just an amazing way to live your life. And I, and I, I wanted to do this ever since I saw, you know, Rod Serling on TV when I was like, you know, right. nine and I wanted to look like him. Basically, that's why I became a writer. I just wanted to look like Rod Serling. <laughs> <laughs> a 
there are worse reasons because he to become looked a writer. so cool. You know, he had that, you know, that that black suit and those thin lapels and his little skinny tie and you know right. he always, was always smoking and very cool. <laughs> there are uh, worse reasons. Yeah. Far but you know, I mean, yeah. a lot of ears, a lot of ears probably perked up when you said. Uh, it's the series finale of The Walking Dead. I think those are like, you know, uh, you know, five words or six words, however many words that is, that nobody wants to hear who's a fan of The Walking Dead, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, and right. uh, you know, you ask Robert Kirkman, the creator of uh, the comic book and the show and, you know, the whole franchise, you know, if he has an ending built into it, you know, has he has he devised an ending to the series? And um, he always says, no, it never ends. And people think right. he's joking, you know, but um, I happen to know he's serious. <laughs> he just, it, it, yeah. it, it's not designed to end. Um, my right. whole part of that universe, the books, the, the novels, which Robert uh, about four years ago so generously gave me, sort of the keys to that kingdom. He, he and I were collaborating for years on, on the novels. And then finally he just, he, he got busy and he got to the point where he trusted me and he gave me um, total freedom to come up with the stories that surround Woodbury and, and figure out how Woodbury evolves and, and basically just, you know, submit an outline at the beginning of each book and, um, and off to the races so, like, that's the greatest gig I have ever had. It, it's right. just been amazing, you know, to have it be canon in, in the Walking Dead universe and um, have some of my characters, you know, plucked out of the books and used in other mediums, like the video games and um, even the television show. There's characters in there like Tara that, that came from the books, she right. wasn't in the comic. She wasn't in the show. She was wasn't in. You know, she originated in Rise of the Governor, and um, yeah, it's just been unbelievably cool. It's just been so cool. So, and this isn't even the end of the books. This is just the end of this mm-hmm. quartet of books. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's also not the end of the TV series. No, right. I mean, I, right. yeah, because yeah. the thing is, is I, I you, when you said that, that uh, Robert Kirkman has no end in mind, I can see that because I, I'm keeping up on it. Um, you know, the whole thing that, you know, the books, the movies, all of it. Well, except for the comics. Yeah. I, I'm not much of a comic book reader, but it's yeah. right at it's right at the height of its, you know, there doesn't seem to be any winding yeah. down in the near future. It's just yeah. constantly just more sucker punches. Right. killing me. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's a sucker punch. Exactly. It's a punch to the groin sometimes. Over and but, over and over. You know, yeah. 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 But I think that's probably why it stays vital and interesting mm-hmm. for people. You know, like the comic book is, is like that. You say you, you don't you haven't checked out the comic book and you don't read the comic and a lot of people are sort of in your camp they they come at it from one medium probably most people from the show or at least you know most of the fans that we see at conventions mm-hmm. and stuff they come at it from the show but um i fell in love with the comic book and i'm a fan of the comic just just in my normal life i would be a fan even if i had no affiliation and i right. remember like the comic is eerie. It's so good at keeping your interest. Like that is Kirkman's mm-hmm. genius. You know, you'll be reading the comic, and just when you think, yeah, you know, they've been in Alexandria for a while now. This is kind of the same. The next issue will come out, and at the end of that issue, there's a big splash page and a big cliffhanger where. A zombie is whispering to another zombie. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, wow. WTF? A zombie is whispering? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> What's this? It's just brilliant how he does that. You know, it's just yeah. the comic book is kind of the Rosetta Stone, which is, you know, he, 
the, you know, legend has it, and I've asked Robert, and he's, he's confirmed that he got the idea for the whole thing one night when he was, you know, sitting on the couch and watching one of Romero's early movies or, you know, one of the trilogy. He was watching the third film in the trilogy, Day of the Dead. And, and like in a lot of Romero films, um, and by the way, since I've been on your show last, Romero has passed away. It's kind of a, yeah. um, it's a, you know, it's a um, kind of an epochal year for horror and in the zombie world. But um, Kirkman is watching this movie, and at, at the end of the film, um, just like a lot, it happens in a lot of Romero movies. There's a small contingent that survives. And they're usually sort of like a rainbow coalition. There's a, you know, there's all different races and colors and creeds and, and you know, sexual, you know, um, identifications in this little group. It's like, it's like a left-wing, you know, fantasy that this little group could start civilization again. And, they, and at the end of the Day of the Dead, they find a helicopter and they, and even there's a pregnant woman, even in this little group, and they find a desert island somewhere, you know, off the coast of Florida, they find an island, and it's clean, and, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's, you know it's, it's, it's empty, it's devoid of any zombies, it's just all fresh, and they can start over, and that's the last image, is they're fishing, and they're smoking weed, and they're happy, and, and that's like Romero's dream, you know, his heaven, yeah. which seems like doubly appropriate now. But Kirkman's watching it, and then Kirkman goes, now what? You know, they're on an island, <laughs> okay? They can't go anywhere. You know, they need, you know, they, they're, they're, they're going to have all kinds of, like, challenges. That's going to be just as interesting. And he, and he started thinking, yeah. what if there was, like, a Romero movie that just never ended? It just kept moving through this odyssey of the apocalypse, nice. you know, right. That's where it started. Nice. That's great. I love that story. It yeah. is. It is. It's great. It is. So how do you yeah. feel? How do you feel? Uh, even though, you know, there's, um, I'm sure plenty more on the horizon or whatever. How, how do you feel wrapping this, this, this quartet up? Is it, yeah. it's gotta be kind of uh bittersweet. I would imagine. It is totally bittersweet. That's the best word for it. It's, I mean, I really did kind of tear up uh, several times while I was writing this book. And, and, and also, this book, Return to Woodbury, um, available at all your finer bookstores next week. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of five books in one. I mean, I kind of crammed so many books in there. It's it's almost like a, a, an omnibus of of my experiences with the walking dead. And there's, there's, you know, there's a, there's a section that starts off on an Island off the coast of Cuba, you know, in a prison. Mm -hmm. And there's a section with a minor character who um, falls into the, into the Chattahoochee and drifts on wreckage for, you know, hundreds of miles and has her own Mm. story and all these stories that kind of all, converge at the end back in Woodbury for this big grand guignol finale. And uh, um, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I just really, I, I just pulled out all the stops and it's, it, it reads like I was on acid when I, when I wrote this thing, <laughs> but, but I'm really, um, you know, there, there a character would die and I'd be, you know, in my coffee shop where I write every day. It's called bagel art. They have the best bagels in Chicago and, wow. you know, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm just, st- I just start sobbing, you know, because oh. I, I know that's like the last time I'll ever write a word about that character, you know, right. they, they, yeah. they're gone. And, you know, you they do, I really, mean, I know very real. Yeah. You, you, they became very you real guys, to you. They get, yeah. you guys know that better than I, they get real to you and you feel like, you, you, you know, <laughs> I mean, I remember Elmore Leonard said one time, he feels like all his characters are out there somewhere. Like even after he finishes the book, yeah, right. if they're still alive, they're out there somewhere having a life. Yeah. And like he could check in with them. That's how real they are to him. And I, I know exactly what he means. They become like your family, 
Don't right. you guys feel yeah, that way true. when you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, I think that's a lot of the reason why we, we have so many crossover. We do so much crossover in our yeah, books. We right. don't right. really do a lot of series, but there are characters, you know, for example, that, that we, we are like, eh, I don't want to say goodbye to these guys, so why don't we uh, let them live yeah, and we can put them in another book? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've been doing that a lot lately. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Well, I, I, you, you know what? I think the fans like that. I think the fans. Oh, like yeah. That. Oh, I think mm-hmm. they do too. We've got really that. good feedback on that. Um, I was going to ask you, though, at this, at this coffee shop that you're at, and do, do they know who you are? Because if I was there, I would be like hanging around watching you being like, what are you doing now? What's happening? <laughs> now what? <laughs> Alistair's obnoxious. <laughs> I am. I am. He is. Well, yeah. Part of do. his charm. They do. And, and it's sort of like, um, you know, everybody, like a lot of people have their favorite little watering hole or bar or a restaurant where, you know, it's, it's, a, it's almost a cliche. It's like, you know, cheers, like a place where everybody knows your name, but yeah. For, you know, I think a lot of writers also do what I do because at home when you're writing, yeah, it's great. It's quiet and you can, you know, the kids go to school and you can write and everything. But mm-hmm. you hide in plain sight when you're out at a coffee shop and writing. Yeah. It's just like you're, you're part of the world. You're immersed in this world that's moving around you, but you're lost in your little world of your book. And for some reason that weird dichotomy for me, helps me access my imagination. I really can write better when I'm, you know, when I have my have my earbuds in at the coffee shop, and I, they have a back room. I've written there for many years. I mean, I remember I've written there so long that I remember when it was a smoking room. Right. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back in the good old days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those, were, <laughs> those were the good old days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, but you know, it's, I love that dynamic. I love to write in, in coffee shops and Starbucks and, you know, outside the house. Right. And also, I don't know if you do this, but when I was a kid, I was a huge fan of Alfred Hitchcock. And, oh, yes. And, you know, I, I, I worship this guy. And I read somewhere in some movie magazine that he always wore – a suit and tie on the set when he directed uh-huh. and you know in an age where the you know the 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 uh you know the standard uh outfit for a director is like a baseball cap you know a t-shirt jeans and and you know new balance sneakers you know he wore right. a suit and tie every day and i just started doing that i started i need to have that tie and that vest on when I'm writing. It's so really it's so pathetic. But even, like people think I'm crazy. I have it on when I'm home and I'm writing. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> you're going to work. You're, you know if that's your if you're that's going, your work, to work, going to work. Oh my right. God. That yeah. is so yeah. it. You just hit the nail on the head. You're going to work. That's when you become you know, when you become a professional, it's like, hey, this is my job. Yep, I take yep. it really seriously, you know. Of course, I roll out of bed and <laughs> don't even comb my hair. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I'll, maybe I'll start getting dressed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's. I think that that makes perfect sense. I think it, that there's a there's a. I mean that that that's what it is. You're putting on your work clothes and you're going to work. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And you, you like I think you know. With me, I, I had even at an early age, even when I was like nine years old, I, I had a sense of being a professional. Like I, I, right. I knew that's something I wanted to be. I couldn't even really articulate it when I was that young. But when I saw Rod Serling, I remember my mom, my mom was a huge, my mom was really influential for me. She was a big reader and she read, you know, she she let me read her books and, and the thrillers and, and the you know, the Helen McGinnis espionage novels and the Trevanian books like Iger Sanction. I mean, that was what she loved. And I started reading them when I was like that age. I was like nine or ten. Right. And that warped me and twisted me in a way that was really good for me. You know, I just really started liking, you know, and she would 
let me stay up late and watch, you know, Betty Davis movies and stuff. And it was really formative. And she said to me, I'll never forget her saying this. Do you know that that guy writes a lot of those episodes? He's a writer. And and Mm. I just, I remember that reverberating in my brain. He's a writer. Yeah. And it just sound and the way the guy dresses, the way that 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 um, Rod Serling dressed, always in a suit and tie, you know, and always put yeah. together and always calm and cool and you know, Hugh Hefner like. Right. That was the yeah. consummate prof- professional to me. He was a consummate professional. And th- and that's kind of what I wanted to do and I was I've been that way my whole career. I you know, I had an agent before I graduated from Michigan State. I had an agent. I just thought, wow. you've got to have an agent. You've got to have an agent. Mm-hmm. An agent is what professionals have. I had no idea why, but <laughs> I just somehow I just believed that, you know. Right, right. So, well, that's yeah. cool. And, and yeah. I, that's cool. So I, you know, I think it helped me in my career because I – I took, you know, notes that people gave me. I made revisions happily. You know, I, I, I wasn't, you know, married to any one word or sentence or, you know, whatever. I just, I, I worked as a professional, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's helped me over the years. Oh, absolutely. I yeah, well, it makes that. perfect yeah. sense. It's, it's, a, it's a mindset, and we all know the yeah. mindset is everything, you know? Yeah. Exactly. It sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? While we're kind of paused for just a second, I'm going to just very quickly get this station break thing out of the way, and then let's talk about your new book. Um, cool. Uh, you're listening yeah. to Thorne Cross, Haunted Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne, and we are here with New York Times bestselling uh, author of the Walking Dead series, Jay Bonansinga. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarathorne.com, or you can visit our mutual blog at thorncross.wordpress.com. If you tweet, our handle is at thorncross. You can also visit us on Facebook at our Haunted Nights Live page. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. If you're listening online, please click the follow button. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. All right, so, Jay, your latest book, um, it is... I'm sorry. Pardon me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you tell us? Can you tell us a little bit about it and when it's coming out? It is the The Walking Dead: Return to Woodbury. Um, why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit about what's going on? Well, you know, I, I it just occurred to me. Um, maybe your listeners might find this interesting, but you know, um, a lot of times a publisher, you know, um, um, and even the biggest ones in New York and and you know that publish the the name brands. Um, by name brands, I mean just like the big superstars like Stephen King, you know, they they ask the author um, to either approve or write those sexy little, um, you know, summaries on the on the outside, you know, jacket of the book. They ask the author to write those, you know, and I've done that for years. I always jump at the chance because some authors are like, oh, I don't know, put anything on there. I don't really care, I, you know, just yeah. whatever. <laughs> but but I'm I'm like, oh my god, that's another chance to like sell this thing. And I don't know if it sure. goes back to I don't know being a professional or or loving to you know every aspect of it because I do I love every aspect of writing and publishing. It's just I have it in my blood, and I've 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 you know even the the hard sort of tedious stuff like line edits I just I love you know um, mm-hmm. so here's 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 one uh, for the latest book this is the final book and you can kind of feel even in this little sort of jacket copy it's the inner jacket so if you open up you know it's a hardcover book right now um, first edition and you open it up and there's this little flap and it has sort of the summary so it's sort of designed to get somebody in a bookstore to go you, you know what I, I think i'll i think i'll buy this i think i'll lay 28 dollars down for this um so here you want me to read it yeah we're ready <laughs> yeah absolutely. enough with the prefacing read it well no, no. <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> that's okay my wife says that all the time to me i'm like the king of prefaces <laughs> okay um, 
So it says it has a headline that says to risk everything. She has weathered more than four years of the apocalypse. She has done things that she would not have dreamed of doing in her darkest nightmares. But she has survived. And now she has staked a claim in the plague-ravaged city of Atlanta. It is a safe haven for her people, rising high above the walker-ridden streets, a place of warmth and comfort. But for Lily Call, something is missing. She still dreams of her former home, the quaint little village known as Woodbury, a place of heartache as well as of hope. For Lily, Woodbury, Georgia has become a symbol of the future, of family, of a return to normal life amid this hell on earth. The call is so powerful that she decides to risk everything in order to go back, to reclaim that little oasis in the wilderness. Against all odds, against the wishes of her people, Lily leads a ragtag group of true believers back across the impossible landscape of walker swarms, flooded rivers, psychotic bands of murderers, and dangers the likes of which she has never known. Along the way, she discovers a disturbing truth about herself. She is willing to go to the darkest place in order to survive, in order to save her people in order to do the one thing she knows she has to do, return to Woodbury. Nice. Available at all your fine bookstores. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what a great reader you are. <laughs> I know, I know. Thank Seriously. you. Thank you. You should, do, you should, you. You should I... hire out for uh, like those audio books. That would be great. You should do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. in your you. copious free time. Yeah, that's really sweet of you to say that. I, I sometimes get, you know, sometimes people say that to me, and I read um, regularly in public, and I, I read almost every time I do one of these conventions, um, either Comic Con or um, Walker Stalker Con, which is the, you know, it's sort of the Trekkie convention oh, yeah. for Walking Dead people, and it's that has gotten so huge, as you can imagine. Like we're going to Atlanta at the end of this month. Um, the 27th through the 29th, and um, it's going to be the largest one ever, and oh, they're wow. expecting like 30,000 people, and you know, they have the highest number of celebrities they've ever had. It's sort of like a, it's really like the pinnacle um, of the thing, and the whole cast shows up, even Andrew Lincoln and superstars because they shoot they shoot there you know that's where they make the Uh show they make the show in georgia so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and i i read they have a live stage and and i read from usually the newest book and it's really cool it's i really love it i just so love doing that oh i usually read it in my my i usually read it in my faux southern accent yeah I just. Do you guys do that? Uh, do you read? Do you do accents? Tam- Tamara yeah, I, does I one when we're when we're reading. She well, does. She, she she when we read out loud and we get bored because we read the same things over and over so much because you're yeah, editing and stuff. Yeah, we read out that a lot. Yeah. So she'll she'll slip into what she calls her Forrest Gump um, accent, but you know what it really sounds like is is a drunken Blanche Devereaux. <laughs> It's, it's, oh, it's fun, hilarious. yeah, yeah, yeah. Alistair <laughs> makes me read. He, he likes to listen. Yeah, yeah I just <laughs> let's, hear, let's hear, let's hear a snippet of it. Let's hear the drunken Blanche. I, I don't have anything. Um, um, wait, okay, wait, <laughs> darling me, girl. Tell me what. Okay, you well, breakfast in the Blanche Devereaux voice. Well, wait, no, that's Forrest. Well, for breakfast. I had me a nice little cup of tea and some honey. You know what I like to do with honey, don't you? Yeah, I like to spread it all over my buns. You know, like that. Good Lord, that was awesome. I know, right? Yeah, she does this. She does he this makes me for, read for hours every day. I, I get you fit. No, <laughs> not really. 
What I like is got aroused listening to that. Oh, (laughs) it happens. It happens. We 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 haven't practiced it much lately, but for a while, Alistair was doing um, Walking Dead. the farmer. Herschel. I can't think of his name. Herschel. Oh, Herschel. Herschel. Yeah. And, yeah, I, and yeah. I would do Forrest, and we would talk back and forth like that to each other, and sometimes even read to each other, because I hear my voice hurts. You read some, and so we do dialogue together like that. Yeah, exactly. It, it keeps us awake. Yeah. It does, yeah. So we had Herschel, Herschel and Blanche, but um, I was going to ask yeah. you, I was going to ask you, Jay, um, so I know you've met, like, Andrew Lincoln. Um, are you totally or at least the first time, totally like, what? When he starts talking in his real voice and you hear that yes. sophisticated English yeah. accent. so strange. Isn't it? Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't know he was British. He is. Oh, he know is. British? Oh, my God. <laughs> he has. Oh, that must he be has that. He has that kind of, you know, that, that, that Georgia southern small town mm-hmm. twang down. I know. So yeah. He sounds, he sounds just like the people that I grew up yeah. with. I didn't grow up in the South, but they have that. That's exactly, he sounds just like that. And then I saw some interview or something on him and he started talking and I was like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, the, I, you know, that, that I, you know, when, <laughs> when I first met Andrew Lincoln, I couldn't speak. I mean, this is going to sound odd, but he was walking toward me, you know, in the, on the floor of this, convention and I was walking and, and Jilly, my wife and I were walking toward him and we just stopped and were like agog and not just <laughs> we were starstruck. I it was yeah. it was more than because I know I know, you know, some some actors that are pretty big and I've had meetings with, with major actors and I've done fine and I haven't made an idiot of myself. Uh-huh. But this time he was the best looking human I've ever seen on this earth. Really? I mean, oh, he really? was better looking than a young Sophia Loren. He was so <laughs> handsome. It was it was freakish. If the <laughs> elephant man had been walking toward me, it wouldn't have been more freaky. He I would so, never guess he was handsome. He's well, he is so handsome, attractive. But, uh, well, he's, he's well. like, he, I mean, seriously, he, he's like, deformed he's so attractive he's just <laughs> right it's not it's ah it's the oddest thing and we were my wife and i were both just like uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> was, we couldn't form any words we <laughs> that's hilarious that's hilarious oh, that's really i'm, I'm so tickled because we we put um alistair wanted to the book we're doing now, it takes place in eternity. And one of the sheriff, which is a book I wrote before, and the sheriff of it shows mm-hmm. up in this book. And uh, Alistair suggested calling him a Rick Grimes looking character. And I said, sure. <laughs> now I'm really happy I said, sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. It's funny because it's like to be totally starstruck. And it's not because it's like, you know, you're huge, you're, you're famous, you're, you're on one of the most successful shows in freaking history it's because you're so hot you know yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you to be so damn gorgeous yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he cleans up really well <laughs> yeah i mean well you know he you know he i mean it's uh, the opposite is fascinating too like they really grunge him up they like oh, really yeah. degrade they you know they sort of you know um really distress his face you know, and but you still go. You know what? Yeah, he's covered with crap and zombie, you know, gunk, and he's still mm-hmm. like more attractive than you know um, all the women in the thing. He's just he's I'm just looking at images so now. Uh, um, yeah, I googled his images. He is good looking. I would see him all messy and dirty, and you know, just want to scrub him up. <laughs> yeah, I want to give him smell a like and talk dead to, bodies. Talk to him like well, yeah, you know, <laughs> well, you know he's the, the the superstar of the show is him. He's he's the you know he's the he's the crux of of the series. He would not be able to you know leave or or you know be killed right. off because he's sort of the anchor of the whole series. His arc is what people are yeah. most moved by. You know he's it, when I think a lot of the 
like Norman Reedus, who's really the superstar of the show, he says that he mm-hmm. came on board the show because of Andrew Lincoln and Rick Grimes and his story, because yeah. it starts with just this guy, this simple, you know, ordinary guy who was a sheriff or deputy or whatever, looking for his family. That's all he wanted to do was just find his family. He was lost in the apocalypse. Yeah. He's never seen anything like it. And and that was that was the genius of the show because yeah. it was so simple. It and was just this simple quest it, that he was on. And as soon as right. and as soon as you find out his wife is cheating on him with his partner, that mm-hmm. does it. You can't be interested in anybody else because you're totally yeah. on his side. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I never I never thought of that, but that you're totally spot on. That was a huge yeah. sort of sympathy sympathy generating, you know, it made him, it, 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 it nobled his cause a little bit, you know, yeah, it became it noble. Is. Yeah. Yeah. That's really well, see, you know, yeah. you know, what did it for me was <laughs> they had me right at the beginning. <laughs> I was hooked right at the beginning when he shoots that little girl right in the face in the opening scene. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a zombie. It's a zombie, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was good. Was too. Like, yeah. Was like, what? And I'm like, okay, I gotta see more. But it was, uh, yeah, it's it is one of those shows that that I I almost um, hate because it will disrupt my pattern <laughs> of living. <laughs> I yeah. mean, seriously, yeah. because I know right. I told you last, I know I told you last time you were on that I stayed up once until eight o'clock in the morning binging on The Walking Dead. You know, I di- I did, and it's crazy, and I love it. It's just such an incredible story, and it's and I've always said, yeah. you know, I, I've always said, I'm like, it's so much more than zombies. There is so much going on here. It is. It's got yeah, yeah. It's got it's got yeah. freaking for all the violence. I love it. Yeah, yeah for all the violence, just, it is a character driven story, and that's is. what we like. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. It I, I think that's a sign of the times too in in our genre i think horror is moving in an interesting direction like like the the film get out um is a perfect example of it but i don't know if you saw it but um it's it's um jordan peele's from key and peele he made this this horror film called get out and i did see it i just remembered yeah 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 (laughs) it's it's where horror is going. I think horror is, is becoming sort of the social commentary genre of our time. It's sort of commenting on things that the other genres are sort of, you know, they're entertaining and fun and exciting. And, you know, and some of them are sort of on the nose. They're just history or, but the, the, the the real fascinating subtext and metaphors are, are in horror now. I think it really right. is absolutely vital, you know, part of our culture. Again, it mm-hmm. goes through these cycles. You know, yeah. But I think and and I those, think, you know, I think it's great because there was a long time where it was kind of, you know, perceived as kind of a second rate, right. You know, genre. And, and yet mm-hmm. I've always said i mean this is one of the reasons why we we love horror and why we write horror it's like you can really get to the the really uh meaningful uh issues mm-hmm. about life and death and philosophy and yeah. religion even spirituality absolutely yeah. yeah it's like a, it's like a horror is like a straight shot to the heart of those those right. deeper things i mean i wouldn't know how to yeah. Yeah. i wouldn't know how to get into these uh you know, matters if I was, you know, writing, say, you know, romance, but right. I love that people are observing that now you're seeing it a lot mm-hmm. now. And I love that. Yeah. That makes me. Yeah, happy. And I think yeah. you're totally right. And, you know, with the walking dead, I think there's a, also a, a layer uh, that people really resonate with that peels away the whole veneer of our civilization. It sort of reboots, civilization mm-hmm. so there's no you know in walking dead there's no there's no uh, more social networking there's no more fuel right. there's no more you know shopping malls there's no more you know internet everything is gone except you know mm-hmm. the earth and the sky and and human beings that are trying to survive you know and it's so it's so primal 
And I think right. people are responding, you know, because the world has become so convoluted and, and you yeah. know, just saturated with noise, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just the walking exactly. dead has just taken away all the noise. Exactly, and I think that's a big part of the reason why why it appeals. And you know, it's uh, it it is mm-hmm. nice in a way, even though I don't want to be chased around by zombies. Of course, it is nice to to watch something because even you know on even on TV, people are on their phones and on their you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a nice break. <laughs> but I, I wanted yeah. to ask you about. I know I know everybody loves The Walking Dead. God knows I do. It's good stuff. It's 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 incredible. The books are you know, right up to par with, with, with the kind of writing that you do that made me a fan. And that's, you know, before we let you go, we still have like 20 minutes, but I want to talk a little bit about some of your other work. I mean, oh, the self-storage, yes. self-storage is one of the, we agree, oh. one of the best books we've yeah. read. I loved Lucid, my Very all-time sweet. favorite. Yeah. My all-time favorite going way back. Uh, I discovered this book years and years and years ago before The Walking Dead even existed. It was called Head Case. I don't know why. I just, I love it. Oh my that. God. Just, Thank you. Yeah, that was one of my, one yeah. of my favorites. And I think that you are, aside from, you know, The Walking Dead, all of that aside, you, you are an incredible, incredible you writer. I mean, I mean that. Thank you. you. are yeah. like, oh. And I got to so say, self storage is my favorite, and wow. I put it right up there with The Shining. It, yes. It's got oh the same God. feel. Thank you. I love it. Thank that. you. It's incredible. Well, um, thank you. you. Know, that's, that's <laughs> that, um, I really appreciate that, and you know, there, you know, it's a cliche, but when you're a writer, and you guys know this as well as I, you know, they are like children. Like you can't, you don't. You know, you don't have favorites. You 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 sweat and you you sweated and 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 gave you know up your blood for every one. And you you know you mm-hmm. you, you never want to just pick one over the other. But um, but headcase and self storage share something that most people wouldn't even recognize. Which they're both really personal. They're both personal mm-hmm. books. And, you know, I put a lot of my own little sort of, you know, gestalt, my, my life, my, you know, belief system, my, you know, fears and, and dreams and, you know, care, people from my life and loved ones and in both those books. And, um, in fact, again, I'm so close to making announcements that I wish I could on your show, but um, <laughs> we're going to. We're really. I'm, it looks like we're going to make a movie out of self storage. Really? Oh, oh! Yeah. I can't wait. That's going to scare oh, the wow. out of me. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's I, wonderful. I, I can't. I can't announce who is going to play the father, the main character. But mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it it may very well be somebody really famous. <laughs> I could just put it that. No. Way. Oh, <laughs> this is such great news. Oh, that was a movie. If there is yeah. if yeah, I, ever a book that deserved that, it's it's that. And you know what? I think it would be a great a great movie. You could really pull out some serious creepy stops with that one. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, wow. you yeah. know. I mean, I, I I hope you're right. I think you are. I think it's and and also in a way, it's again goes back to what I was saying a minute ago about horror. Um, you know, I've had people say to me when after they like for instance there was one person who worked on the hardcover edition of the book an artist and he said i i need to ask you a personal question do you mind i, I just have to ask you this i'm like of course and he goes were you a rec- are you are you a recovered heroin addict because mm-hmm. the main character of the book is a recovering heroin addict or not yeah. a recovering but you know an active heroin addict Mm-hmm. And I took that as the ultimate compliment, you know. Absolutely. He, I, I was like, yeah. oh, no, I mean, but I researched the hell of it, and I probably projected my own addictions, whatever they may be, into this person's mm-hmm. heroin addiction. And he goes, well, you got it right, because I'm a recovering heroin addict. And and he revealed wow. that to me, and I'm like, okay, that's really interesting, and thank you. That's uh, you know, I was yeah. super, you know, and um, I, it happens sometimes when I'm writing a book, like I'll, 
I'll come up with an idea and it's a seed and you planned it. You know, again, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need it to, you, you know this as well as I, um, cause you're both practitioners. Um, but you plant a seed, but then if it if it's really cooking, it's really working well. It, it blossoms mm-hmm. and, it, and it gets richer and richer as you're working on it, you know. And yeah. that was the case with um, with self storage because I just kept thinking this all adds up because the a self storage facility is where you you put your lost dreams, your old photo albums of your ex-wife, your, your, your diploma that you never, you know, saw come to fruition, you know, you wanted to be this or that and store it uh-huh. away in this sad little cell in this honeycomb of other sad little cells with everybody's cast offs of their life. And, and it started speaking to me in all these ways, like, oh my God. And it also really kind of somehow touches on addiction in a way, you know, you're sort of, mm-hmm. you're repressing your emotions. You're, you're filing those away in a self storage facility. You're not letting yourself feel you're, you're going yeah. to that happy place with drugs, you know, right. It just kept getting richer and richer subtextually as I was working on it. So I really have always believed in it. When you guys, um, helped me out with, you know, the early incarnations of it. I, it was one of the stepping stones to me saying to myself, you know what, this should be a movie. It should be a movie. Oh, I yeah. think people uh, would really dig this and it would be super scary. And, you know, so. Yeah, it's perfect for a movie. Absolutely. It is. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so you. excited. I can't even tell me you. Me too. When, when you are ready when you are ready to announce it, let us know, and we'll bring you on at least at the top of the show if we don't have any openings. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and you know, that. you know, we've told you many times, and you know you are welcome on any time. You are absolutely fantastic. And we consider you a great friend, truly. It's, it's, oh, well, you know, back at you. Back yeah, at you. So any kind, anytime you have a group hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a I do, I do feel the same way. Yeah, <laughs> that's really sweet of you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's great. It's, uh, it's, I've, I've we've always we've always loved having you. So you know, yeah. well, I know, but, you know, it's it, this this show, this very show, is it? You know, this is starting to sound like you know a mutual admiration society, which is what it is. But <laughs> yeah, we do that show. Well. Okay. <laughs> How many times, like, do you get interviewed by another author? It's it's really rare. It's really rare. You ask any author, you know. It's yeah. I mean, not and it's not that you know interviews are horrible because the people don't know what you know the, the writing life is all about. But but it it is kind of cool to be interviewed by a fellow um, yeah. toiler in the field. You know, never so. thought about that. Thank you. It does, it does <laughs> yeah. make sense, though. It, it does make sense, though, yeah. because you know, it, it you you do get. I know exactly what you're saying. It's like I, you're. I'm always happy to be interviewed. You know, for someone taking the time, but uh, you you do get inundated with a lot of, uh, you know, the same questions. And and when you mm-hmm. are talking to to other writers, they even when you're just having a, a conversation back and forth, it doesn't. Uh, they already know the answers. They've already been asked that a million times. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah right, it's, right. You know, it's a little. <laughs> some, keeps I mean, fresh. you know, like I've been doing it for 30 years, and I'm still just like a little kid. I'm still in awe of the experience of even literally just having somebody say, "I read your book," or yeah. having somebody. Yeah. You know, or, it, or walking into a bookstore. Yeah, yeah, it never gets old. And, you know, that's one of the magic things about what we do, especially if you're lucky enough to get published. It, it is right. magical. I know if there's, there's authors out there who get to be curmudgeons, and they probably have earned it. Mm-hmm. And they, you oh, know, yeah. they, I remember, you know, Harlan Ellison used to get pissed when people would say, <laughs> uh, where do you get your ideas? Yeah. <laughs> so finally he, <laughs> He started to say, "Oh, um, where do I get my ideas? Oh, well, I, I send. They ha- there's a service in Schenectady, and then I send away for a six pack every week. 
and it comes on a Monday morning, you know, via Express, UPS brings it, and I get six fresh ideas. And, you know, so he started saying that, and, you know, with, with just dripping irony and facetiousness. Right. Yeah. And sad, you know, and, but people He's started amazing. going, have you asked Carlin, where, you know, the address for this place? Is, can I just, is, does it have a P.O. box? or? <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so what would you say uh, what would you say in the in the thirty years that you've been doing this, when would you say that you felt like you I don't wanna say when did you feel like you broke through, if if that makes sense? When oh, did you that's feel like a, you had that breakthrough? That's a great question. That's an awesome question because I think every author, large and small, no matter who they are, no matter how well received they've been, no matter how many books that they've had, whether they're Salman Rushdie or, you know, the guy with one book on, you know, Kindle publishing, they all <laughs> know deep down when that was, when they feel like, hey, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm actually a real writer. And mine, yeah. mine, mine will sound so petty and, and uh, <laughs> horrible, but I'm going to be honest <laughs> and tell you when it was. It, okay. was, it was in March of 1994, and um, my uh, ex-wife, God bless her. I'm, I'm thank- thankfully we're still civil with each other, and she, she, I consider her a friend. But she, um, I did not give a lot. <laughs> her family was. Let's put it this way. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you know, I, I didn't. It, it wasn't a good fit. Let's put it right. right. Okay. <laughs> the the day they were visiting us, the day that the first little flat of the first cover of my first book arrived, via mail, mm-hmm. they happened to be visiting us, and when that I opened it up, and I saw that little cheesy foil cover on the paperback <laughs> original. Of the black uh-huh. Mariah, I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know the black Mariah, and it was that little foil cover with the demonic child on it, like every book had to have '94. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> but when I pulled it out, and there it was, like you know the tablets of of you know Moses, and, and it was <laughs> shimmering in the kitchen light, and and my father-in-law, you know, laid eyes on it, and I saw something change in his expression, that's when I realized, oh, I'm a real writer. They can't, they uh, cannot uh, deny it now. No, <laughs> oh, I terrible? love it. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's but that's great. great. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. It, it, that's an interesting, and it's really well told. I love the descriptions you use. I was really yeah. into it. <laughs> this is why we love your That must have felt so good. Oh, that must have felt great. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been caught before by friends, you know, standing in bookstores, which, alas, you know, sadly are, are kind of going away. I mean, we don't have as many bookstores as we did, you know, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I've, I've been caught. In a bookstore aisle, just admiring one of my books sitting there on the shelf. I've just been just staring at it. Just had, had no it's other great. purpose. Yeah. No other purpose than just stand there and admire it. And I've been caught. Ever, it's been the most embarrassing oh. thing. <laughs> have you ever been Turn caught turning your copy? Own books. Have you, have you ever been caught out? turning your copy? Yes, yes. Are you kidding? I've been caught like a half a dozen times doing that. Even my Me mother too. has been caught. <laughs> wait, and, wait, wait. And everyone you tell to do that for you. And, yeah. <laughs> wait, get caught doing what? I missed something. Um, well, you know, tell this, him, go ahead. You, yeah, you explain. Oh, it. it's, it's well, classic. So in, in bookstores, some books are turned out so you can see the whole cover. Well, what you do right. is you go in there and you turn your own books out everywhere you can. Oh, right, right. You know, right. yeah. And you don't really want to get caught doing that. <laughs> it's okay. You tell them, I'm an author. Would you like me to sign these? And then they go, do you want to buy this book? And they have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, it's so That's funny. Yeah. I went to, you know, you just, I, I, I went to a pilgrimage earlier this year in March to 
a bookstore, maybe the most famous bookstore in the world, and a bookstore I've always – it was a bucket list thing just to go there. And, it, and uh-huh. it's Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Oh, um, uh-huh. And it was so cool. It was everything I hoped it would be. It was just – it was this little – Scroungy bookstore in the you know right on the Seine River and just uh, in that beautiful you know sort of Latin Quarter part of Paris where all the artists are out with their easels and it was just like you know a, a, a MGM musical you know and there's this little um, bookstore and where Hemingway literally slept you know and and uh, they would put writers up who were down on their luck and. It was where the, you know, Algonquin Round Table met in the 20s, and it, it was just steeped in history, and, you know, and I just mm. walked around and just soaked it up, and, you know, and then I looked right. for my own book, uh. and couldn't find any, and was pissed and left. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always the way, though? <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, I thought it was great until they had no Jay Bonnet thing about it, and I'm glad <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so we are almost out of time, but uh yeah. what are your what are your plans for Halloween this year? Anything special? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'll be in Atlanta. I'll be in Atlanta. Oh, that's oh right, 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 right. You know, surrounded by cosplayers and, you know, people dressed as zombies and and uh and celebrating really the, the pinnacle of, of, you know, who knows? I hope, I hope the show stays where it is, but you know, it, it's right now. It's just, as you said, it's on this, it's on this amazing sort of crest and, mm-hmm. you know, I, God willing, it'll stay there for as long as we can keep it there. But, but I do feel like it's a big celebration this year because not many shows make it to the hundredth episode. Right, and the hundredth right. episode is coming up, and it's huge. Right. It's really incredible, huge for us. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. It is. Yeah. It really is. Why? Well, well, I, I want to um, thank you guys too. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Not only tonight, but on all the other times, you've been such a shot in the arm for for me, and I love talking to you, fellow writers, and. You guys are just the best. I, I really appreciate oh. you having me. Well, so as sweet. you know, you're you're welcome anytime. You're our favorite and too. You are. We, yes, you are. And cool. We love yeah. having you, and we uh, fully intend to keep in touch. So, cool. let us know when you have Thank new announcements, you. and we will schedule you in. Will yeah. do. Will do. And uh, before we let you go, um, could you tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and your work? Well, they can go to jbonensinga.com. Um, very easy to find. It just, you know, just, just J-A-Y in my last name, which is, you know, 10 letters uh, and, and nobody can remember. But <laughs> jbonensinga.com <laughs> is my portal to everything. But you can also Facebook message me if you've read some of my stuff and you want to talk about it or make any comment or complaint or anything. Uh, you can Facebook message, message me at jbonensinga on Facebook and, um, you know, um, you can follow me on Twitter and, um, oh, just, yeah. you know, just check out, um, the walking dead return to Woodbury. Um, it's in the bookstores in about a week and oh, I'm I can't really wait. proud of it. Yeah. It's the swan song of Lily call. So yeah. Thank you for letting, letting me, uh, you know, um, Oh, thanks for wares. coming. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. It was it was great talking to you again. We'll be in touch. And uh, thank you right. for being on. And yeah. to the listeners, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Thorn and Cross, mm-hmm. Haunted Nights Live. And until next week, we wish you haunted nights. And sweet screams. Thank you for listening. Night. Haunted Nights, 
live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. <laughs> 